Hey, good morning, everyone. And again, welcome. I'm Josh, teaching minister here at Clear Creek. And for all of our guests who are not regulars, welcome. Uh, We're so happy that you found your way here. And you found us on a great day because we're beginning a brand new series called The Keystone Effect, How One Change Can Change Everything. The reality is many of us are finding this new normal to be a wee bit challenging. I saw a couple memes recently that I think express this very well. This first one of a mom who I'm sure at one point was very pretty and very well put together. It's looking a little haggard and she simply has this phrase, you guys want to do another another craft? Or what about this one? This is what you look like week one of the quarantine. And this is what you look like week eight of the quarantine. See, the reality is for many of us, we have this internal fortitude, but it's like a tank slowly lowering. And over time, we get to a point where we say we can't do what we've been called to do. And so we're in this series now, The Keystone Effect, which is a continuation of the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Chapter 1 was all about finding joy, but now chapter 2 says let's deal with the nitty-gritty of actually living a joy-filled life when it is very difficult because Paul, the apostle of God, who himself was in lockdown in a prison, he's going to tell us that through the power of God's Holy Spirit and through Jesus Christ working in you, you and I do not have to be victims of our circumstance, but we can not only survive, but thrive if we understand the keystone effect. I'll explain what that means after we read the text. So let's look together at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Paul starts by saying, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Don't live for yourself or thinking only about you, but think of others even more. And his whole motivation is simply this. We all want to be a part of a physical family and a spiritual family that is marked by love and tenderness and compassion, by gentleness. And and Paul's basically asking you and me the question, hey, isn't this the kind of family that you want, where fighting is not the norm, but grace and giving and gentleness is the norm? I mean, honestly, if that's your family right now, you let all of us know and we'll break social distancing and come hang out with you because that is what we all desire. And so Paul is going to say, this is the way to do it. And there's one change that can change everything. That's where we get the title of this series, Keystone Effect. It really comes from a great book called The Power of Habit, in which the author says that a keystone habit is one habit, one action, that if you embrace it, it affects so much more than only that area of life. In other words, a keystone habit has a keystone effect one change that changes everything. I love this one example of a keystone effect. It's from Australian researchers Megan O'Keefe and Ken Chang. They were trying to figure out how to help university students lower their anxiety and rise and help them improve their test scores because they were not doing so well. And so they started this study. They got a bunch of students together, and this is what they did very simply. 
They put them on a disciplined schedule at the beginning of the semester. And they said, every day you study and review your material for 20 to 30 minutes. Every day, no exceptions. And at the end of the study, they found some things that they expected to find. They found that uh, test scores rose and anxiety lowered, which was what they expected. But they also found some things they did not expect to find at all. They found that this one change changed everything. In other words, they found what the Bible, what the gospel has been saying for centuries, that certain changes in your life can change everything. They found that students who embrace this one change lowered the amount of alcohol, tobacco, and caffeine that they consumed. Their eating habits improved. Their sleeping habits habits improved. They watched less TV. They were less anxious. And even, this is the one I love, and I'm not making this up. This was in the abstract of the research. They also found that people who embraced the one habit of studying every day had fewer dirty dishes. So the moral of the story is if you have a messy house, you need to study every day. No, that's not the moral. Rather, it's that keystone habits doing one thing, one change can change everything. And this is what Paul is driving at. He says, listen, right now, wherever you are, if you're in your home, if you're um, you know, out and about, wherever you may be right now, there are certain things that if you embrace today, spiritual practices, it has the ability to change not just that one area of your life, but every area of your life. In fact, you can be in a house this time next week that is marked by joy and peace and gratitude if you will simply embrace these keystone habits. And so we're going to look at a different one each week. But here's where he goes, and I love what a guy named Chris Brooks does. He has a really easy breakdown of this text, and I'm just going to kind of borrow from him because I think it's so helpful. He basically says three things that Paul breaks down this section. If you're selfless, become selfless. If you are conceited, become considerate. And if you look out only for yourself, look out for others. So three things. If you are selfless or selfish, become selfless, and so on. In fact, I just want you to see this list. And just for a moment, take a moment and evaluate. On which side of the list are you most tempted to live in, especially when things are stressful? So if you find yourself with this first one being selfish, he says, move into selflessness. Now, what is selfishness? Selfless, selfishness is simply this, me first. A selfish person is a me first person. That's it. And when I think about selfish people, the mental picture that comes to my mind is this wonderful moment when you're stuck in a line. Maybe it's for a church potluck or maybe to get into a movie or a theme park. And you've got that one person, you know the guy, who cuts line. That is a selfish, me-first person. And the person may be real sneaky about it. He may try to slide in or maybe he's a considerate line cutter. And he comes up, he finds a buddy, and he just sort of stands there and talks. But you know what he's doing. And isn't the first response, when you see someone cutting line, I mean, for me, it's like, I will take you out of the kneecaps. I've been waiting to get in. And every one of you know, first in line, especially to church potlucks, you get the best food. That's just the way it works. But a selfish person is one who says, my time, my needs are greater and more important than yours. But a selfless person does not say me first. A selfless person says others first. I remember one of the best examples of this growing up was during all those church potlucks. My preacher at the time, Walt Lever, who has been at Clear Creek and taught us before, he was one of those guys who I just admired deeply for not sometimes even the big things. It was the small things. And I can remember we'd be in line for a church potluck, the line going down the fellowship hall, up the stairs into the lobby. 
and there would be Walt, and he would never be the first in line, he'd never be the second in line, he was always the last in line. And I remember him telling me once, because others go first. And that's just the way it is. See, selflessness is simply saying, I will let you go first. So I wonder what it would look like this week to say you first to someone else. Or what about the second one? If you find maybe that's not where you're struggling, maybe it's just the sense of conceitedness. Paul says, don't be conceited, but rather be conscientious or considerate of other people. Uh, This word conceited simply means that it's all about you. In ways that it sort of plays itself out, you can't take criticism, criticism. A conceited person can never take criticism. They can never say they're sorry. They always qualify, or if they do say they're sorry, they give a big but, like, well, I'm sorry, but this person did this, or this is why I did that. Uh, they, they tend to be more concerned with how they look on the outside than who they are on the inside. A conceited person is concerned with appearances. A conceited person is not a repentant person because they cannot say they're sorry. And Paul says, don't be conceited, but be considerate. And I love this. One of the examples I hear all the time is when someone says, how are you doing? A conceited person is already 10 minutes into their resume when they're asked, how are you doing? They feel like they have to prove themselves. And so this comes up when you're talking with friends and one friend will be explaining, hey, I went out and I I caught a fish this big. Well, a conceited person can't simply say, awesome. A conceited person says, that's nothing. I caught one that was this big. A conceited person is all about themselves. In fact, I was thinking about one of the most beautiful examples of what it means to go from conceited to considerate. Uh, This man, Dallas Willard, was a phenomenal theologian and Bible teacher. He was a uh, professor at uh, the the University of Southern California for about 30 years. He taught philosophy and epistemology, which is the study of how you know what you know. He was a brilliant man of God. He loved Jesus, and he was just scary smart. But there was one story where he was lecturing one day, and a bunch of his friends were there to watch him lecture, and they were just listening to him brilliantly talk about what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus, and he was weaving philosophy into the conversation. Just a a fantastic, fantastic lesson. And as he's coming to the end of it, he finishes his lecture, and one of the students, clearly upset by something, stands up and begins to ream Dallas Willard. He begins to mischaracterize his argument, and then he takes some real ugly pot shots at Dallas. He says some things about him, and all of Dallas's friends are like, ooh, this is it. Dallas is going to drop the hammer, not, not only because he was rude, but he was absolutely wrong. His arguments don't hold water. And so they waited for the hammer to drop, but instead Dallas paused, he stepped back, and he said this phrase, he says, I think, he says, thank you for your contribution. I think we will end class there today. And they're shocked. Everyone gets up, they begin to walk out, and all of his friends circle around him, and they say, Dallas, what's the deal? Why didn't you absolutely take that young man to task? He was wrong, and he was rude. And Dallas said this, he said, I didn't do that because I'm practicing the spiritual discipline of not having to have the last word. And I thought, what a profound statement. Conceited says, I have to have the last word. Considerate says, 
I don't have to have the last word. So maybe if this is the one for you, you say this is the one change that can change everything. I wonder what would it look like if this week we all practiced very intentionally the spiritual practice of not having to have the last word. Because it can change absolutely everything. Now, this third one, before we get into it, I need to give a little bit of a disclaimer because before we talk about not just looking out for yourself but looking out for others, I need to say this. For some of us, when we hear about not looking out for ourselves but looking out for others, that stirs up in some of us a toxic form of pride. And here's what I mean. It's the form of pride that says my value is only in serving other people, that I'm valuable if I help other people. And that is absolutely wrong and against the gospel because the gospel says that you have value because Jesus values you. It is not in who you serve or how you do things or how you live. It's in what Jesus says about you. But for some of us, we find our value only in serving and we burn ourselves out. But you need to know this, that self-care is not selfish. Taking care of yourself is not selfish. This is why Paul gives a real important clarative and corrective in verse 4 or verse 3 when he says, consider others better than yourself in verse 3. And then in verse 4 he says, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. In other words, you don't ignore your interests, but you're considering others as well in the process. And even more than that, Jesus Christ himself took time to care for himself. In Mark 1, 35, we're told that early in the morning, while it was still dark outside, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off by himself to a solitary place where he could pray. In other words, he was doing self-care. He was caring for himself by taking time to be with himself. I think about the airline example, right? You've been on an airplane and the loudspeaker comes on and the woman goes through the list of all the requirements. And there's that one statement When it talks about the mask, if they should lose cabin pressure, they always say, if you're traveling with a child or someone who requires assistance, secure your mask first and then help the one you're traveling with. Why? Because if you don't take care of you, if you die, you're of no good to anyone else. So I want to be real clear before we look at this third one, that if you're one of those who leans in and you have sort of this sense that your only value is in serving others, we want to drop that right now. But for the rest of us, number three, Paul says, don't only look out for your interests, look out for the interests of others. Don't only just look out for yours, but look out for others. I heard a story not too long ago about the Disneyland theme park and the Disney World theme park. As you may already know, Disney World's mission statement is to be the happiest place on earth. And I love going to Disney. It's been years, but I love going there because it really is a happy place to be. Well, I heard a story about a former Disney World employee, and this other individual was asking the Disney World employee, said, hey, so your mission statement is to be the happiest place on earth. How do you guys do it? What is like your strategy? And and he's really expecting some real brilliant thing, like, oh, we do this, or this is how we organize. And the Disney World employee said, oh, that's easy. We have one rule and one rule only for every employee, and here it is. When you're here, You smile and you pick up trash. Just smile and pick up trash. And the one asking the question was just kind of disappointed, like, well, that stinks. That's a terrible way to make a happiest place on earth. 
But the employee said, are you kidding? It's the best way because as soon as we walk on the park, we're picking up trash. This is why it is one of the cleanest places you'll be. And we're smiling, which is why it's one of the happiest places we'll ever be. Here's the deal. This is such a simple thing to do. And it is so profound that one of the best ways to think about and consider others more than yourself is to simply be a person who smiles and picks up the trash. What would it look like? If you help pick up the trash this week, yeah, maybe that's in your home, absolutely. Or maybe it's also picking up the toys or cleaning the dishes or helping with the yard work. Or maybe if you're in a job somewhere, maybe it's being the one who offers to help with a project or something that people don't really want to do. Maybe that's the form of picking up the trash. Or maybe, maybe, maybe for some of you, picking up the trash is as simple as asking someone, how are you? And then just listen. There are people who are sitting with you right now and people gathering on this broadcast right now who are carrying trash that other people have put on them. They've been told things that are not true about them, but it's trash and they're carrying it. They're carrying the weight of people who are upset or disappointed in them and they feel the weight of it. And one of the best gifts of being a trash picker upper is to simply say, how are you doing? And then you listen, you lift the trash off of them. What would that look like? I want you to look at these three options. Selfish, conceited, thinking only of yourself. Which of those three is the one the Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, that's the next step. That's the one change that if you make it this week, you can change everything. That when we get together next week on Sunday, your house will be radically different if you make this one change. And and I want to give you just a, a real big warning. This is going to be far harder than you imagine. And for some, if not all of us, it's to one degree or another going to be impossible. So you need to come back next week. I'm going to give you the second part to this. But what I want to do right now is just sort of pause. And this is where we're going to end today. And I want to give you just a couple minutes. I'm going to put a screen up here with some prompts. I want you to consider for a moment which of these three you need to take as your next step. What change can change everything? And then after that, we'll come back.
Well, again, thank you for being with us this morning. Listen, if there's anything we can do for you, we want to serve you. There's information on screen now. If you have any need, reach out to us. Let us bless you. Also, if you're joining us on the church website, there's a button there that says prayer. Click that and one of our servants will be with you in a prayer time. We'd love just to help you out. In just a moment, I'm putting some prompts on the screen for next steps. If there's anything we can do, though, let us know. And this week... Know that you do not walk alone, but God goes with you. May God bless you this week. Grace and peace. See you next Sunday.